3617 respond to report of shots fired. The Coroner Talk podcast takes you behind the scenes with coroners, clinicians, and death investigators from around the world to provide training, news, and interviews from leading experts in the area of death investigation and scene management, bringing real stories and solid training together in one source. Now, here's your host, Darren Dake. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Coroner Talk. Still, after 200 episodes, still the only podcast in iTunes dedicated to the men and women working the field of death investigation. Welcome to 2019. I hope last week's show uh, didn't really uh, hurt anybody's feelings too much. I know it was our going to be our last show ever for Coroner Talk. Could you imagine us not having a weekly show? Oh, that's where it had become. But we have we have found ways and got plans to continue on, and we hope that we can continue this for a long time. So on today's show, we've got a very special show for you. First and foremost, we're going to be recognizing law enforcement officers. January 9th is law enforcement is National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, uh, which is recognized by concerns of police survivors at Concerns of police survivors.org. It's a great organization. And we're going to have an interview with a couple of cops and we're going to talk. Uh, we've got a guest coming in to actually uh, interview myself and another police officer about law enforcement and things like that. And um, and I want to let you know up front that I get a little political in this show. Um, I, I do share my opinion about politics and some of the conditions that we're in with law enforcement. And so if you are very thin skinned, then and you are do not necessarily believe in my political views, then I might upset you. But I'm sure I've upset you before on the show and you seem to stick around. So you either gotta love me or you gotta leave me one way or the other, it's up to you. But what we talk about is about law enforcement, uh, the the traditions of law enforcement, why we get into law enforcement, the, the current state of affairs in law enforcement and things like that. And when we come to current state of affairs, uh, that's where I get a little political. Very short-lived, then we move on. So I'm just warning you up front. Something else is for some reason, we had a microphone turned off. Uh, I don't know how it happened. I'm not sure. We're usually pretty good about this tech stuff, but we had a microphone turned off. So one of our guests is going to sound really, really echoey. Sounds like he's a long way away from the microphone. That's because he is. So it doesn't sound great. And I almost just scrapped the entire episode, but I couldn't recreate what we had. So I decided we've made it sound as good as we could. You can hear the responses. And just know up front, this is not our normal quality of a podcast, but the content and the information is fantastic. So I would rather us have just a few parts that aren't sounding great and then let you get the great content that uh, Sergeant Friedman puts out. So I want to real quickly, though, before we get into that, make sure I remind you again about some training coming up. We have a virtual classroom training coming up on January 18th. What does that mean? That means you can set in your own office, your home, your car, wherever you have internet connection at, you can you can sign up, log in, and spend two hours, uh, get training, and it is going to be, we've worked it out, so we're able to provide ABMDI credits for this online webinar-style training. All right, so that's January 18th. Uh, you just go to cornertalk.com, click over to the Academy, 
Go to ditacademy.org. Look at current training, things like that. Easy to find. Sign up for that, and you can jump on, get trained, and never really have to even leave the comfort of your home. And of course, in March of 2019 is going to be our death investigation academy, our death investigator course here, as well as the death investigation online academy. But they're both going to occur in March. Uh, the January one starts the 19th. So you got lots of opportunities to get trained, whether you want the online training or the seated classroom training. We've got all these opportunities coming up for you. All you have to do is log on and look at the listing, find what works best for you, and then jump in to that training. And I know we've sent out a lot of information to some organizations here recently. The last thing I want to say about speaking is if you're looking for a conference speaker or a trainer, Uh, or somebody to come to your conference, your state conference, your regional conference, the coroner association conference, medical examiner conference. I, this year in 2019, I am dedicating a lot of time to coming to a lot of states and I'm going to do everything I can to work within your restrictions and budgets to be able to, to set that up. I want to help and get involved in training a lot of coroners and death investigators this year. So if you're looking for a speaker, Jump onto our page, find out a little bit more about us, what we could do. Contact me, send me an email through the contact tab at Corner Talk or the Academy. And let's at least get a conversation started. Let's see where we're at and what myself or even one of our other instructors can provide. Maybe you needed something in a different topic that one of our other instructors can provide, and we'll be glad to help you set that up as well. So Without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation about law enforcement, National Law Enforcement Day, and kind of a perspective of how cops see their job. And I know we're talking in generalities here, but I believe what we talk about on this show today is going to be pretty fair to what the rest of the country and how most police officers, majority of police officers, see these same topics. I've been around a long time, so is Sergeant Freeman, and we understand kind of what uh, what we feel is kind of the, the, the way everybody feels. So without any further delay, let's jump into that episode now. Adjust your earbuds, turn up those speakers, and hang on. It's now time for this week's featured conversation. All right, joining me today in the studio, I'm very happy to have two guests in the studio today, which doesn't always happen very often because normally people are coming in either through Zoom or Skype or on the phone or something like that. But today we have two great guests in the studio for a very special occasion. First, I want to introduce our first guest, which some of you uh, may have already talked to or heard about. Uh, they may have, She may have contacted you some. But we have a new podcast producer, Nikki Gamblin. Nikki, welcome to the studio today. Hi, Darren. Thanks for having me. So Nikki is normally kind of behind the scenes. She'll, she'll, if you haven't heard from her yet, you might. She might send you an email asking you to be on the show or asking for input from you or something like that. And, and so she's part of our team now, and she's our podcast producer. And so uh, we're going to put her behind the mic rather than behind the keyboard today. And she's going to talk to us about kind of an interesting topic and something that we're going to uh, deal with today on this um, uh, Police Appreciation Day, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is uh, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, which is January 9th, right, Nikki? That's correct. So the thing is, it's normally later in the year, 
but this organization, Concerns of Police Survivors at concernsofpolicesurvivors.org, has dedicated January 9th as Law Enforcement Appreciation Day in addition to the week and the day that comes up later in the year. Is that correct? That is correct. So it is interesting that it is different than the rest of the law enforcement week and and day that we have, but it's something that they're doing on their own, and it's, they do a lot of stuff with the law enforcement, uh, trying to promote appreciation for law enforcement. I appreciate the efforts that they that they have. But joining me in the studio as well is Sergeant Mark Friedman from the Cuba Police Department. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Darren. Thanks for, for inviting me over. Well, Mark, we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna key this off to Nikki here in a minute. She's gonna ask some questions that are some common questions that people ask law enforcement officers. And since I've been in law enforcement for 30 years, I'm gonna bounce some of my questions as well. You're gonna bounce some of your questions, and we'll let our listeners kind of get an idea behind uh, what it's like to be a police officer, what it's like to be in law enforcement when we started and today. And I'm gonna let Nikki kind of key this off because she's not in law enforcement, and so these are some of the things that she thinks that not only would she like to know, that probably a lot of our listeners would as well. So Nikki, go ahead with some of your questions. So Mark, one of the first questions I have for you is how long have you actually been in law enforcement? November was was my 15th year anniversary, so quite there over 15 years now. Great. What led you to your career in law enforcement? Well, my father was a police officer, so it's kind of always been kind of something that I looked at, but I really think it's a drive to to make a positive difference in our community. That's awesome. So are there any cases that, that you've carried with you over the years, and can you talk about them? Sure. Um, some of them are boring, and some of them are not so boring. But I'll tell you about one that I, I'm pretty proud about. And it's about this time of year, probably 10, 12 years ago, we got a, a call about a suspicious person, person down at a, a camp resort. Nobody else was down there. The camp resort is closed. And I, we get down there and they're driving around in a U-Haul truck, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, and it was cold. It was like 10 degrees outside. It was my fingers felt like they were about to fall off. <clears throat> and got consent to search in the, in the U-Haul truck and we found a bunch of items, but nothing that really looked like it pertained to the camp resort. But I get to digging around and I, I find a letter from a lady from a way up north Missouri, and I had my dispatcher contact them and ask them about some of the property that I'd seen and if it was missing. And they, they told my dispatcher it was supposed to be in a in a storage unit. And that turned out to be like a seven-county burglary that opened up all off of Wow. So I, I was pretty proud of that. What are some of your favorite parts of the job? I like to help people. I, I, and I said earlier the, the positive change in, in the community. Um, so that goes into it. And, and of course, I, I, my forte, I, I like to look for drugs. So it's kind of like hunting or fishing. Um, if you like to hunt or fish, it's fun just to do it, but it's even better when you catch something. <laughs> right. What are some of the worst aspects of your job? I would say hands down the death aspect of it, um, whether it, it's seeing the dead body or here a couple months ago, there, there was a, a young child that, that would see them and I picked him up to carry him out to the ambulance and I, I really thought he was going to die in my arms there. And that's a terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah. 
Do you ever get nervous responding to the scene as a cop or if you know that there's going to be a death, does that get to you still? Not so much the, the nervousness. Uh, we get amped up depending on the nature of the call. I don't characterize it as nervousness, but apprehensive maybe. But that that's not always a bad thing. It, they can keep us alive too by keeping us on our toes. Right. How do you deal with the emotional aspects of the job? It's probably the wrong way, but I think of it like water on a duck's back, and I just I just blow it off. Just um, and, and it probably isn't the most healthy aspect for the way of doing it, but it is what it is. Has being a cop changed the way you see the world or people? Absolutely. Um, and I like to see the best in people. However, doing this job, you, you get to see more negative aspects of people than, than positive aspects. And, and there's a lot of good people in the community, but we don't deal with a lot of good people. We deal with that small portion of bad people. We're constantly hearing negative stories about Leos and very little about the good. Why do you think this is? All right. Joining me today in the studio, I'm very happy to have two guests in the studio today, which doesn't always happen very often because normally people are coming in either through Zoom or Skype or on the phone or something like that. But today we have two great guests in the studio for a very special occasion. And first, I want to introduce our first guest, which some of you uh, may have already talked to or heard about. Uh, they may have, She may have contacted you some. But we have a new podcast producer, Nikki Gamblin. Nikki, welcome to the studio today. Hi, Darren. Thanks for having me. So Nikki is normally kind of behind the scenes. She'll, she'll, if you haven't heard from her yet, you might. She might send you an email asking you to be on the show or asking for input from you or something like that. And, and so she's part of our team now, and she's our podcast producer. And so uh, we're going to put her behind the mic rather than behind the keyboard today. And she's going to talk to us about kind of an interesting topic and something that we're going to uh, deal with day on this um, uh, Police Appreciation Day, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is uh, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, which is January 9th, right, Nikki? That's correct. So the thing is, it's normally later in the year, but this organization, Concerns of Police Survivors at concernsofpolicesurvivors.org, has dedicated January 9th as Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, in addition to the week and the day that comes up later in the year. Is that correct? That is correct. So it is interesting that it is different than the rest of the law enforcement week and and day that we have, but it's something that they're doing on their own, and it's, they do a lot of stuff with the law enforcement, uh, trying to promote appreciation for law enforcement. I appreciate the efforts that they, that they have. But joining me in the studio as well is Sergeant Mark Friedman from the Cuba Police Department. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Darren. Thanks for, for inviting me over. Well, Mark, we're going to, uh, I'm going to key this off to Nikki here in a minute. She's going to ask some questions that are some common questions that people ask law enforcement officers. And since I've been in law enforcement for 30 years, I'm going to bounce some of my questions as well. You're going to bounce some of your questions and we'll let our listeners kind of get an idea behind uh, what it's like to be a police officer, what it's like to be in law enforcement when we started and today. And I'm going to let Nikki kind of key this off because she's not in law enforcement. And so these are some of the things that she thinks that not only would she like to know that probably a lot of our listeners would as well. So Nikki, go ahead with some of your questions. So Mark, one of the first questions I have for you is how long have you actually been in law enforcement? 
November was was my 15th year anniversary, so quite over 15 years now. Great. What led you to your career in law enforcement? Well, my father was a police officer, so it's kind of always been kind of something that I look at. But I really think it's a drive to, to make a positive difference in our community. That's awesome. So are there any cases that, that you've carried with you over the years? And can you talk about them? Sure. Um, some of them are boring and some of them are not so boring. But I'll tell you about one that I, I'm pretty proud about. And it's about this time of year, probably 10, 12 years ago, we got a, a call about a suspicious person, person down at a, a camp resort. Nobody else was down there. The camp resort closed. And I, we get down there and they're driving around in a U-Haul truck, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, and it was cold. It was like 10 degrees outside. It was my fingers felt like they were about to fall off. <clears throat> and got consent search in the, in the U-Haul truck and we found a bunch of items, but nothing that really looked like it pertained to the, the camp resort. But I get to digging around and I, I find a letter from a lady from up way up north Missouri and I have my dispatcher contact them and ask them about some of the property that I'd seen and if it was missing. And they, they told my dispatcher it was supposed to be in a in a storage unit. And that turned out to be like a seven county burglary that opened up all off the Wow. So I, I was pretty proud of that. What are some of your favorite parts of the job? I like to help people. I, 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 and I said earlier that the positive change in, in the community. Um, so that goes into it. And, and of course, I, I, my forte, I, I like to look for drugs. So it's kind of like hunting or fishing. Um, if you like to hunt or fish, it's fun just to do it, but it's even better when you catch <laughs> Right. What are some of the worst aspects of your job? I would say hands down the death aspect of it. Um, whether it, it's seeing the dead body or here a couple months ago, there, there was a, a young child that, that was seasoned and I picked him up and carried him out to the ambulance and I, I really thought he was going to die in my arms there. And that's a terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah. Do you ever get nervous responding to the scene as a cop or if you know that there's going to be a death, does that get to you still? Not so much the, the nervousness. Uh, we get amped up depending on the nature of the call. I don't characterize it as nervousness, but apprehensive maybe. But that that's not always a bad thing. It, they can keep us alive too by keeping us on our toes. Right. How do you deal with the emotional aspects of the job? It's probably the wrong way, but I think of it like water on a duck's back, and I just I just blow it off. Just, um, and, and it probably isn't the most healthy aspect for the way of doing it, but it is what it is. Has being a cop changed the way you see the world or people? Absolutely. Um, and I like to see the best in people. However, doing this job, you, you get to see more negative aspects of people than, than positive aspects. And, and there's a lot of good people in the community, but we don't deal with a lot of good people. We deal with that small portion of bad people. We're constantly hearing negative stories about Leos and very little about the good. Why do you think this is? 
All right. Joining me today in the studio, I'm very happy to have two guests in the studio today, which doesn't always happen very often because normally people are coming in either through Zoom or Skype or on the phone or something like that. But today we have two great guests in the studio for a very special occasion. First, I want to introduce our first guest, which some of you uh, may have already talked to or heard about. Uh, they may have, She may have contacted you some. But we have a new podcast producer, Nikki Gamblin. Nikki, welcome to the studio today. Hi, Darren. Thanks for having me. So Nikki is normally kind of behind the scenes. She'll, she'll, if you haven't heard from her yet, you might. She might send you an email asking you to be on the show or asking for input from you or something like that. And, and so she's part of our team now, and she's our podcast producer. And so uh, we're going to put her behind the mic rather than behind the keyboard today. And she's going to talk to us about kind of an interesting topic and something that we're going to uh, deal with today on this um, uh, Police Appreciation Day, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is uh, Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, which is January 9th, right, Nikki? That's correct. So the thing is, it's normally later in the year, but this organization, Concerns of Police Survivors at concernsofpolicesurvivors.org, has dedicated January 9th as Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, in addition to the week and the day that comes up later in the year. Is that correct? That is correct. So it is interesting that it is different than the rest of the law enforcement week and and day that we have, but it's something that they're doing on their own, and they do a lot of stuff with the law enforcement, uh, trying to promote appreciation for law enforcement. I appreciate the efforts that they that they have. But joining me in the studio as well is Sergeant Mark Friedman from the Cuba Police Department. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Darren. Thanks for, for inviting me over. Well, Mark, we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna key this off to Nikki here in a minute. She's gonna ask some questions that are some common questions that people ask law enforcement officers. And since I've been in law enforcement for 30 years, I'm gonna bounce some of my questions as well. You're gonna bounce some of your questions, and we'll let our listeners kind of get an idea behind uh, what it's like to be a police officer, what it's like to be in law enforcement when we started and today. And I'm gonna let Nikki kind of key this off because she's not in law enforcement, and so these are some of the things that she thinks that not only would she like to know, that probably a lot of our listeners would as well. So Nikki, go ahead with some of your questions. So Mark, one of the first questions I have for you is how long have you actually been in law enforcement? November was was my 15th year anniversary, so quite there over 15 years now. Great. What led you to your career in law enforcement? Well, my father was a police officer, so it's kind of always been kind of something that I looked at. But I really think it's a drive to to make a positive difference in our community. That's awesome. So are there any cases that, that you've carried with you over the years, and can you talk about them? Sure. Um, some of them are boring, and some of them are not so boring. But I'll tell you about one that I, I'm pretty proud about. And it's about this time of year, probably 10, 12 years ago, we got a, a call about a suspicious person, person down at a, a camp resort. Nobody else was down there. The camp resort was closed. And I, we get down there and they're driving around in a U-Haul truck, which I thought was kind of odd. Um, and it was cold. It was like 10 degrees outside. It was my thing felt like they were about to fall off. <clears throat> and got consent to search in the, in the U-Haul truck and we found a bunch of items, but nothing that really looked like it pertained to the, the camp resort. But I get to digging around and I, I find a letter from a lady from up way up north Missouri, and I have my dispatcher 
contact them and ask them about some of the property that I've seen and if it was missing. And they they told my dispatcher it was supposed to be in a in a storage unit. And that turned out to be like a seven county burglary that opened up all off the Wow. So I, I was pretty proud of that. What are some of your favorite parts of the job? I like to help people. I, I, and I said earlier the, the positive change in, in the community. Um, so that goes into it. And, and of course, I, my forte, I, I like to look for drugs. So it's kind of like hunting or fishing. Um, if you like to hunt or fish, it's fun just to do it, but it's even better when you catch them. <laughs> right. What are some of the worst aspects of your job? I would say hands down the death aspect of it. Um, whether it, it's seeing the dead body or here a couple months ago, there, there was a, a young child that, that would see them and I picked him up to carry him out to the ambulance and I, I really thought he was going to die in my arms there. And that's a terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah. Do you ever get nervous responding to the scene as a cop or if you know that there's going to be a death, does that get to you still? Not so much the, the nervousness. Uh, we get amped up depending on the nature of the call. I don't characterize it as nervousness, but apprehensive maybe. But that that's not always a bad thing. It, they can keep us alive too by keeping us on our toes. Right. How do you deal with the emotional aspects of the job? It's probably the wrong way, but I think of it like water on a duck's back, and I just I just blow it off. Just, um, and, and it probably isn't the most healthy aspect for the way of doing it, but it is what it is. Has being a cop changed the way you see the world or people? Absolutely. Um, and I like to see the best in people. However, doing this job, you, you get to see more negative aspects of people than, than positive aspects. And, and there's a lot of good people in the community, but we don't deal with a lot of good people. We deal with that small portion of bad people. We're constantly hearing negative stories about Leos and very little about the good. Why do you think this is? Negativity sells news. Um, but I think over the, the last few years, I think you've seen a, a shift in, in that a little bit. I, I know me personally, I, I have a lot more people saying, hey, thanks for what you do. We appreciate what you do. So I think that's, that's starting to turn around a little bit, maybe. With the current feelings towards law enforcement these days, would you do it over again? Absolutely. How would you feel about your children following in your footsteps? Well, I have a son that actually is a police officer, and I discouraged it, but it didn't do any good. Um, <laughs> I told him going into the medical field would, would be a better choice, and he said that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to be like that. What does law enforcement appreciation day mean to you? I don't get wrapped up on days or birthdays or holidays and things like that. So it, it's another day, but it's nice to, to know that people think about us and, and appreciate us. How can people show their appreciation to you, Mark? Just a simple thank you. you um, I, I don't need, I don't do the job for pat on the back or for money or anything like that. But a thank you goes a long way. Well, I certainly appreciate you, Mark. So Darren, I'd like to turn these questions to you, if you don't mind. 
All righty, let's do it. Shoot from the hip. All right. What led you to your career in law enforcement? Uh, so I talked about this on somebody else's podcast a while back, but I, I guess what led me to, to law enforcement was I've always wanted to be either involved in police work, EMS or something. And when I was 18 years old, I joined the Army to become a military policeman, thought I was going to go medical, decided to be a military policeman, lucky enough to have a garrison post. And what that means is I worked on a military base and did the same things like a city cop would do. I never did any nuke sites or anything like that. Uh, and so I really found interest in law enforcement and all, all the things that I like about it. So I knew I wanted to be in emergency services. You know, I was that 16-year-old volunteer junior fireman, started EMT class at 17. You know, I've always been, um, you know, addicted to lights and sirens So as, as a kid. So that's kind of probably what led me there. And then joining the Army, seeing it firsthand, kind of progressed from there. Are there any cases that you've carried with you these years? And, and can, can you talk about them? Yeah, kind of like Mark. There's a lot, some good, some bad. I mean, there's been a lot of cases that uh, that have haunted me in a way. But 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 one that really sticks with me is a good case. Uh, I can just I can remember getting a call, or I I was working for a county, and I heard the ambulance go out to the city of an infant not breathing at a certain intersection at a gas station. Well, I happened to be right there, and so I wheeled into that gas station, and the mother was there, and she's running over to me with this baby, and. And so it wasn't breathing, and that's right. So I, so again, remember, I had been in EMT a few years prior, and I kind of knew the medical side of it and stuff. So I cleared the baby's airway, tried to do all that. It wasn't working. Started CPR, and, um, and by the time the ambulance got there, the baby had taken a breath, and it, and it wasn't, um, you know, it was breathing, had heart rate, and then the ambulance took over from there. Well, I never knew what happened to that child. And you never know. Uh, and Mark can tell you this too. We, we, sometimes we arrest people. Sometimes we save people. But there's lots of times that we never know what happens to them afterwards. Well, about 17 years later, I'm still with the county. And I'm working a campground area. And someone come up to me and asked me, you know, if I was Darren Dakin. I said, yes. And said, do you remember about 17 years ago and the story or whatever? And I said, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And they said, well, that's her standing right over there. And I got to meet her because they were from another part of the state and they would come down on vacationing then as now. And so I was able to meet her 17 years later, you know, and that stuck with me. And she thanked me, you know, thank you for saving my life. I mean, she was an infant. She didn't know. She's like two months old. But the thing is, it, that has stuck with me as a positive thing. There's been a lot of negatives as well, but I try to focus more on the positive stuff. Well, that's amazing. What is the favorite your favorite part of the job? I guess my favorite part of the job is the whodunit puzzle. Uh, I've always liked investigations. I like helping people. I mean, but, but, and I agree that that the, everything we do is about helping people, but to, to narrowly define that is I like investigations. Uh, you know, I, I like to find out who did the crime, who did the killing, who did the rape, who did the, and then piece things together. And that's just because I guess I like the puzzle. And that's, that's what over the years has made me probably a pretty good investigator because I get my teeth into it and I really like to dig in and find the whodunit. The worst aspect. So the worst aspect of the job probably has changed over the years. Um, I don't like the politics. Uh, sometimes it comes with law enforcement. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know the worst aspect. Um, I'm, I'm stumbling on this just a little bit. I mean, you know, in law enforcement, you have missing Christmases, missing birthdays. 
you have all of that go- has gone on for over the 30 years that I've been in. Mark has experienced the same stuff, you know. Uh, and so that's bad, but, but that's part of the job. We miss some stuff with our kids growing up. We kind of get disassociated with our kids sometimes if we're not really, really careful on that stuff. Uh, but, but I guess nowadays, currently, the worst part of the job is probably the negative political backlash of law enforcement. Uh, and that's probably the worst part of the job right now. Right. <clears throat> this next question is actually for both of you. What are some common misconceptions about law enforcement? Well, I'll answer it first. I think the, one of the biggest common misconceptions about law enforcement is that we enjoy doing bad things to people. You know, you know, we enjoy arresting people. Now, no, don't get me wrong. There are some people in this world that deserve arresting straight up. OK, so there's been arrests that I've made that I've very much enjoyed arresting them and putting them in jail. They've harmed children. You know, they've done bad things. Yes. But but it's it's like, you know, sometimes it's um, it's not as though we enjoy hurting people or arresting people. Uh, but, you know, that that's one aspect, I guess. Do you ever get nervous responding to a scene, whether you're in the cop role or the MLDI role? It depends on the call. I mean, I, I, it's similar to what Mark answered as well. I think it's pretty common across all law enforcement uh, related fields is that you know, if we're responding to a shots fired call or a burglary in progress call, and so we get a little amped up. I mean, we know we're going into a dark building by ourselves, or uh, we got shots fired and, and we're having to face those bullets or something like that. Yeah, domestics are dangerous. We know that. Traffic stops can be dangerous. We know that. So so depending on the level of the call, I mean, certainly you got a, a call that, the, you know, the neighbor's upset about the dog being on their property. I mean, those aren't too ramped up unless you get there and there's a problem. So it depends on the, the nature of the call as to how we get uh, how I get kind of nervous or amped up. Uh, but one thing about that I'll say, too, is that regardless of our nervousness, you know, it's like that old adage, we courage is, is in spite of fear, going forward in spite of fear. I mean, I can remember going to a house years ago and somebody said, I think there's someone in my basement. I heard the basement glass break and i think someone's in my basement and and you know my thought was well why didn't you go check it out and i said oh have you been down there to check he was oh no i'm i'm too scared to go down there and i'm thinking well so am i i mean you just told me that someone (laughs) broke into your basement you hear somebody rattling around down there it's dark it's two in the morning what makes you think i'm not scared to go down there i mean i'm just being honest i'm not saying that i wouldn't go and i'm not saying i was so terrified i wet myself i'm just saying I got to go down a set of open steps, not the closed steps, open steps to where anybody could be behind the steps and grab my foot. They could be to the side. No, you know, those are dangerous steps. And I get all the way almost to the bottom of the step and my worst fear happened. Somebody reached out and grabbed my ankle. And I, back then we, back then we had mag lights. There were like four cell D mag lights. And I came down with that mag light and hit whatever it was that hit that grabbed my boot and broke this guy's wrist. And eventually I felt sorry about it because what it was, it was wintertime. It was cold. This homeless guy broke in to stay warm. He wasn't stealing anything. He knew he shouldn't have broke into the house. He didn't know anybody hurt him. He was just trying to stay warm. Well, again, there is my worst fear come through. I don't want to go down there because I'll, whatever. And so, yes, do we have fear? Sure, we have fear. Uh, I've, I've been shot at. I've been, I've been, you know, somebody tried to stab me. I've been shot at like five times. So, yes, fear. Hey, when you got bullets running around your head, there's a little bit of fear. You march on. You go through. That's what separates law enforcement from the rest of the world. Everybody wants to talk about how they don't like cops and all this stuff. But when you have a problem, you don't go take care of it yourself. You call me to go take care of it. 
So, and even the ones that hate cops will call me to take care of their problem. So I know that we've talked about <clears throat> on this show dealing with um, your emotional health, how to deal with that. But how do you deal with it, Darren? And I wrote a lot about this, and, and I teach on it some. Uh, you know, one of the things you'll find with law enforcement officers is some of the ways they deal with some things is through a dark humor or uh, jokes that probably aren't appropriate. And I, I don't mean necessarily sexually dirty jokes. I mean joking in a situation that probably isn't uh, appropriate to joke. But but that's how we release some of our uh, some of our frustrations or some of our tension. I mean, I can remember a time being on the roadside of a motorcycle accident, and it was a pretty pretty bad, gory motorcycle accident. And uh, you know, we're waiting for somebody else to get there so that we can finish up doing what we're doing and and we're waiting on a crash investigation team to get there and things like that and and another patrolman pulled up and and he was standing there and and i just did i just heard this conversation going on behind me and i was kind of involved in it too someone said hey are you going over to so-and-so's barbecue after a while had a part you know backyard party yeah i think we'll make it as long as we don't get too many calls and i'm thinking here is this disastrous mess someone has lost a loved one in a traumatic way and we're talking about going to a barbecue after a while. Now, it, it isn't that we didn't have feelings for that situation, but we block that stuff out. And so how I deal mostly on, on my side is I recognize that, we, that there is this thing called compassion fatigue. And there is this thing that it isn't one event. It's multiple events that pile up on us that over time affects our mental health. Mark said he lets it roll off his back. And I agree that I do a lot of that. And there's a lot of officers that do do that. But I think if Mark would probably take some time and do some inner, inner perspective, he would probably realize that the camping trips that he takes, the hunting trips that he takes, the time that he might do things with his wife or just go out in the woods by himself are times that release some of this stuff. And that way, he 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 gets away from reality in a way, and that's what I do. Uh, I've got a cabin I go to, or I do things that are not related to my job. And then, of course, I, I also talk to other people about. It. You can't talk to everybody about some of these cases, but talking to somebody that kind of understands where you can just unload it without breaking any confidentiality. Sure. Has the job changed the way you see the world or people? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I say the job has changed the way I see it. I've been in it my whole life, right? So I started when I was 18. I'm 51 years old. I've been at this forever. So I, it has changed the way I see the world. I do believe there is good in people. Ultimately, there's good in people. Even the worst of the worst, if there's a big disaster that comes upon us, big hurricane, big earthquake, big something like that, you're still going to have, you know, the thug life, the looters, the, you know, whatever. But even a lot of them will come together and help out a community. I mean, they all so, – so there is good in people deep down inside sometimes. But, yes, the world has changed and the world has gotten worse. We're constantly hearing these negative stories about Leos and very little about the good. Why do you think this is? Okay, I'm going to get political. It's my show, so I'm going to get on my soapbox. I'm going to say exactly why it is. President Barack Obama and his administration changed the outlook of the law enforcement in the United States – for the worst. Now, I may have just lost every left liberal there is on this show. And if that's the case, I'm sorry that you're so thin-skinned you can't take my opinion. But here is my opinion. From the day he first came into office, there was a situation where a police officer responded to an alarm sounding and there was a gentleman in a house that would not recognize, would not identify himself as a homeowner. The police officer then conducted his investigation and the subsequent detaining of that, of that individual as he would any other person. 
if the homeowner had said, I am the homeowner, it would have been a different situation. But if not, he did not do that. And this professor decided to buck the system. Well, then they caused this cop racist. Well, that is not true. But then, of course, Barack Obama created this atmosphere of anti-police. From that point forward, I could go over case after case after case after case where the Barack Obama administration has decimated the law enforcement community morale. In fact, it's so much so, and I'm a training organization, so much so that during the last couple of years of his organization, the police academies were closing their doors. There were some of them that were having to combine classes because there was not enough people going into law enforcement. And so the reason why we have some of the anti-law enforcement stuff we have now is because uh, that administration promoted things like Black Lives Matter, uh, and what, what it's not it's not that a black life don't matter. That's not the case. It's the organization is a terrorist organization, a- along with a lot of other left liberal type thinking where nowadays, if you're a police officer and you get confronted with a gun, it used to be a split second decision, save my life or somebody else's. Now we have a split second decision to save my life. Oh, wait a minute. Will the city administrator back me up? Will the county sheriff do this? Am I going to get sued? What's the attorney general going to do? Uh, is this guy's skin a little darker tint than my skin? Am I going to have? So you've got all these things to consider because once that bullet goes off, then everyone wants to jump on and say, he's wrong. Don't sue me. And so law enforcement has taken a huge back door to, to what actually makes sense because everybody wants to blame law enforcement for everything and try to get themselves out of a lawsuit. Okay, back off my soapbox. (laughs) With the current feelings towards law enforcement these days, would you do it over again? Absolutely, I would do it over again. Uh, I've enjoyed my time with law enforcement. It's all I know. It's in my blood. I guess I'll do it until they somehow force me out due to age. Uh, But yes, I I, I love law enforcement, and I've always done that. And, And I would do it again because I believe that I have made a difference. Mark has made a difference all the other law enforcement officers out there have made a difference. So I would do it over again. I just wish we didn't have to be, you know, the situation we're in now with all the negative attitudes. How would you feel if one of your children followed in your footsteps? I mean, I'm like Mark. I would, I would probably tell them not to. A number of years ago, I might not have done that. Uh, but with the current uh, feelings of, among law enforcement, and then let me back up based on what I was saying a while ago. Now it's like, cool to go kill cops now they're just killing cops to kill cops they're just they're just that's part of the initiation <laughs> go kill cop uh, you know we just had one again the other day in texas they just they just kill them for no reason so you know it's one thing when yeah we got into this and we have a battle so we go in the battle you're robbing a bank you've got a gun you're protecting yourself i'm protecting myself in public and we get in a shootout somebody dies okay that's part of the game but when you're just sitting in McDonald's eating your lunch and somebody walks up and shoots you just so they can get a notch in their belt, it didn't used to be that way. There used to be some respect. So question, would I have my children go into law enforcement? Not today. Um, one of them was going to, and he chose another path. I have three children. None of them are in law enforcement. And so I would not probably, uh, I would probably try to talk one of my children out of law enforcement simply because they're too big of a target, both for bullets and for lawsuits. Sure. What made you decide to step over to the MLDI side? So back in several years ago, uh, I was a detective with the sheriff's office. And, and so I worked a lot of death investigation there. And at that time, there was there was a need for a deputy coroner in, in our county. And so I kind of stepped into that role. Uh, changed and all throughout the time, I've kind of changed from patrol to the investigation in the sheriff's office and things like that. And and so as a deputy coroner, which back then it was just kind of a joint effort between the sheriff's office and coroner's office, 
but I was always a teacher. I always taught at law enforcement academies. I taught regional trainings, things like that. And it just naturally started moving towards the death investigation side. And so over the last several years, death investigation or medical legal death investigation has been my primary role. And, and so because I find it interesting, I'm good at it. And that has kind of led me that direction. I think your question was what kind of led me that way. It's because it's something that I'm good at, that I can do, that others cannot do, and, and I'm feeling a real role and a need. You know, Mark had mentioned, you know, he, he, he don't like being around death and dead bodies and all that. And, and I understand that, and most police officers don't. Uh, I, I don't necessarily enjoy someone dying. That's what I'm saying. But I have the ability to be in that situation and work closely with that situation, um, which gives answers to the family. So because of that, I just naturally progressed that away because that was my area of interest. I don't care who stole your bicycle. No, don't, doesn't matter to me who took your tractor. I don't really want you to have drugs, but I'm not going to go hunting them like Mark does. But if you die... I'm your man. I will figure out how and who. What does Law Enforcement Appreciation Day mean to you? So I guess like Mark, it's just, you know, it's nice to hear thank you. Uh, and I don't need the thank yous necessarily, uh, but it would, be, it would be nice, you know, not to have the negative. And, and I think the Law Enforcement Appreciation Day will also maybe, maybe let people think positive things about law enforcement for at least a few hours or for that day to, to maybe outweigh some of the negative that they hear. And, and let me let me be honest here in that there is probably, no, not probably, there is, a greater majority of people that respect what law enforcement officers do and like their local law enforcement officers way more than those haters out there. It's just the haters have a bigger voice and are given more media time. So, you know, I've been into restaurants and go went to pay and somebody will say, uh, yeah, somebody already took care of your bill. You know, that's just an appreciation thing. I don't I never know who I never expect it. Uh, I've had people walk up to me the other day at the, uh, at a restaurant. There was like five officers eating lunch at the same time. And there was a little boy about 10, 11 years old. He came up and shook every one of our hands and said, I want to thank you for your service. And he shook every one of our hands. And then he went back and sat down. And so that that's what a law enforcement appreciation day means is just understanding that, that it's a tough job. We do a lot of tough things. We are not liked by a lot of people that are very vocal. And so those are the, that do respect the job. Uh, if they take some time to say something good, it might counteract a little bit of the bad in the universe. So I think you kind of touched on this next question. Uh, how can people show their appreciation to you? Well, to me personally, I would have to kind of say, kind of like Mark as well, to me personally, I, I don't guess I need anything Personally, a thank you is great if it's on the street, and I get that. You know, I, I have people, if I happen to be in uniform, uh, people will say, you know, thank you for your service a lot of times, or uh, you're a tough job, I appreciate what you do. Uh, so so if you see an officer anywhere in your area having lunch or doing anything, tell them thank you. If you, you know, if you don't want to anonymously buy their lunch, that's fine, but at least go up and say, hey, look, guys, I know you have a tough job, and if no one else supports you, just know that I do. That means a lot. Okay, Uh, and so for me, like and that officer, whoever that is in his big wide world, that officer will probably tell you, yeah, I don't specifically need somebody to tell me that. But deep down inside, it sure is nice when somebody does because they hear, you know, 10 people say negative things all week. One person will get rid of all that negative. Absolutely. Darren, I just have one last question for you. Tell me what made you decide to form the podcast Academy and magazine? 
Wow, that's a big question. So the podcast came from, it's four years old now, and when when we first started the podcast, it was because I looked around at the death investigation industry across the country and realized there's a hole in death investigation training. You know, there, there's police procedure and criminal investigation, but not a lot of specific death investigation. And I'm thinking, what about those small county coroners and detectives and police officers that they don't have a lot of budget? What can we do to help them train? So I figured a podcast every week on some type of a training topic would at least give them 12 hours or 52 hours a year on average of some type of training for free. And that would start filling that void. Well, again, as I said, I've always been an instructor and a teacher and a trainer. And through the podcast then... Um, I started getting asked to come and speak at conferences, realized there was even more need for training. So I started training in person. Uh, then I started some online courses. The podcast uh, you know, was able to talk about those. Uh, of course, then that grew. Uh, and then it got to the point that, I, wait a minute, this is now needs to probably be somehow organized. And so I created the Death Investigation Training Academy, uh, which now organizes all of the training for death investigators. In fact, we are one of the top trainers in the United States for death investigation, both online and classroom. You know, th- that continued to grow. Now we have our own academy building. We have our own, we have destructors. We, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a thing now. So, uh, so, so as that growed, I realized, you know, what would really be helpful as well is, a magazine, Death Investigator Magazine, dedicated to death investigators. Not There's a lot of police magazines, but they're police stuff. And police also investigate death, but there's nothing for that medical legal death investigator, that coroner, you know, that, that small detective that just wants to learn about death and not about, you know, how to do fingerprints on a, on a stolen car in the rain. I'm talking about how do we do fingerprints off of a skin of a rape victim. You know, how do we do stuff concerned with death? And so we started the magazine, and so that's just an extension of the podcast, extension of the academy. It just all kind of goes into itself. And so with those three things, um, there's probably certainly enough. I I can't see that I'm looking to start anything new anytime soon, Uh, but that's kind of how all that's developed because I saw a need that needed to be fulfilled, and I fulfilled it and trying to provide better death investigation nationwide and help to set a standard is what we're looking to do uh, because we need better standards in the United States. And so we hope that, that, uh, that I hope that our team helps in setting those standards. So that's the reason why all three of those have kind of started. And that's kind of how they developed from just my first podcast, turning the microphone on with the laptop, talking into a microphone for the first time, talking about some death investigation stuff. I think Aurora theater was one of the things we talked about. And then now four years later, you know, we've got full studios, productions and all that, trying to uh, trying to do the best job we can. So there's a long answer to a very short question. <laughs> Thank you. So when, I, when people think that I do a good job, it's not always about me either. It, there's many people behind the scenes, whether it's our dispatchers or our technicians at the crime lab or academies like you that, that part of my education in that is. So it's not about me as the, the police officer. It's about us all coming together to do a a good job. Right. I appreciate you saying that. And that's very true. When someone comes up to us and says, hey, I appreciate what you do. Thank you for what you do. That does encompass a lot more than just the person they're talking to. Like if they're come up to me and say that, that you're right. That doesn't just encompass me. That encompass me, you, lab techs, dispatchers. That's all of us. Um, And and I know there's a big push right now for 911 dispatchers to to be um, considered 
as part of first responders, or I forget how they're listing it. But anyway, to be a protected class. Right now, they're considered a clerical class. And and the I Am 911 movement is trying to push for legislation for the 911 operators to be a protected class. So if you harm one of them, it's as if you're harming a police officer. And they've got some some other things, too. And I think that's very true. Uh, I like what you said there about, about dispatchers, because... They send us to the call. They hear everything's going on before we do, and they actually help work and investigate these calls, both medically and, and police work, before we ever get there because they're finding out and hearing information, and so I do appreciate them as well. So, And I agree with what Mark said. When someone says I says thank you, they're thanking all of us. And, and yeah, is there a bad apple here or there? Of course there is, but there's a bad apple in every industry. There's bad doctors. There's bad lawyers. There's bad politicians. There's bad, you know, whatever, you know, there is. So, yeah, there's a few bad cops. But they are rare. We People get into law enforcement because they want to help people, not because of the money, not because of the fame, and not because of much of the respect. They want to help their community. The bad will find their way out, and by and large, law enforcement is positive. And I like this organization, police Survi- uh, uh, org, putting this day on and helping to further the positive of law enforcement. Absolutely. And I just want to thank both of you for your many years of service. I appreciate both of you and our entire law enforcement community. Nikki, thank you. And thank you for getting behind the mic today rather than, than just behind the keyboard. We'll, we'll have to do more of this. All right. So, hey, everybody, thank you for taking some time to listen to us, listen to us talk about law enforcement appreciation day. I appreciate that. And, and again, if you're out anywhere, if you're somewhere out in this big wide world and you see somebody uh, that is in law enforcement, even if they're maybe not law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, the 911 dispatchers, you know, don't call 911. Find the business line, call the business line and say, hey, I don't need anything. I just want to say, you know what? I appreciate the job that you do. That's all you have to do. They'll appreciate that. You know, every every week when I close this show, one of the things that I tell you is to be a blessing to someone, because if you're a blessing to someone, you're going to get blessed 10 times over, right? So, in this aspect, you can bless your law enforcement, your firefighters, your EMS, your 911 dispatchers. Bless them by just saying thank you. You don't have to spend any money. You don't have to have a big fanfare. Just say thank you. Send a card to the police department. See them see somewhere in town and say hi to them. If someone stops you for speeding, then thank them that they were able to slow you down so you didn't get up ahead and maybe get into an accident and hurt yourself or someone else. So thank them for the job that they're doing. I know it slowed you down. I know it upset you, but they're doing a job. And when that guy's going past your house doing 10, 15 miles over the speed limit, you sure wish that cop was there. Now that he's doing it to you, just thank him for doing his job. All right. And like I said, be a blessing to everybody. Until next week, everybody, above all, be safe. Thanks for listening to Coroner Talk, a DSPN media production. Visit our website at coronertalk.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash coroner training. 3617-1024 scene on route to morgue.